Thanks for the feedback. Rowan and I are really working on getting our sound studio shit together. Speaking of dick vibes, I did go to the penis museum in Iceland. How was that? There was a lot of dick. Or a lot of dick, 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 dick. <laughs> a whole lot. That sounds like my worst nightmare to go to a dick museum. Oh, it was funny. It was so funny, though. We got like giant whale penises next to rat penises. All penises. Yep. Do we know our topic for today? Did I just hear the word penis? Oh, yeah. I went to the penis museum in Iceland. Oh, nice. Because that's a thing. What did they and they're really proud of it. It's like right in the middle of town. <laughs> right near all the restaurants. It's like pride and joy of their town. But is it like historical, like uh, like anthropology penises? Or is it like modern day art penises? No, it's like actual specimens of whale penises and horse penises. And oh. there's, no, there's no human specimen yet, but they have two <laughs> letters of intent for donation. That is so funny. Yeah. Like they had an Olympic team medalist and something that they won silver, and then they cast ever like the entire team's penises in silver casts and have them on display. Like <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I've got pictures, so at some point I'll maybe post pictures of the penis, the Thalatological Museum. Nice. That's what it's called. Yeah. Can't unmute you, Tiff. Okay, there you go. Hi. Hi. Um, I just got back last night from my momcation. I went to New Orleans for the weekend, and Barry took the girls to San Antonio. So we all had our own little adventure, which was nice. Um, it was definitely well needed, and it was amazing to not have to feed other people, tend to other people, wipe butts, anything, give hugs when I didn't want to. Um, I did miss snuggles and things like that at night, but I was so tired by the end of the night that it was just like, you know, just trying to soak it all in and uh, take advantage of the alone time, which was awesome. Um, and when I got back, they were screaming, mommy, mommy, we missed you, which was, you know, it's very nice to hear that because I'm with them all the time. So they could have just been like, oh, hey, you know, we see you all the time. No big deal. But dad got his fill of daughter time, which, you know, he finally is understanding like how they're constantly giving me raspberries all the time and hanging on me and asking for hugs and, you know, them saying, I love you all the time, which is, I told him it's a nice reminder <laughs> for me to be a nice mom. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I yell a lot or demand things from them a lot. So um, we got a little bit of, taste of what it's like to be the all the time caregiver so yeah it was great cool all right mommy what do you want to ask oh, yeah. 
Um, but I was going to ask you just because you have tattoos and may have other mothers who have tattoos. Um, because I asked my midwife and she was a little like, mm, I don't really know. Um, I have a lot of tattoos and they're recently raising and they're like itching. The, really bad. the tattoos are right now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm like, why? I don't know. I guess I'm wondering, is, is it just something that like chemically within me, like pregnancy wise, or is it like something I'm eating that's making my like tattoos raise up and they're itching? Like, I mean, they itch like a bug bite. Okay. But let me see one. Um, like where's your itchiest one that you can get on the screen? My itchiest one? <laughs> Everyone's going to see my legs. Oh, you really do have a lot of tattoos. Um, okay. My itchiest one is over here. And it's like, and I, and I feel like it's like actually like the red pigments. Oh, okay. Okay. But, there we go. And the okay. black is like, like my black lines are raised over here where the flower is. All right. I know what's going on here. Um, how many weeks were you when that started? Um, it was like, I don't know, maybe 34, 35. Okay. And is it getting progressive? Yeah. Okay, um, so what happens is that when you get more and more full term, like especially third trimester, your um, like your liver and your kidneys start working overtime, and then at some point they start like almost tapping out, and so your liver is like, and this, I'm not freaking you out here, like we're just hearing this as information. I'm not your midwife, I'm a midwife, but um, this just tells us that your liver and your um, kidneys are starting to get pretty stressed and the red um, ink and the red and all the thicker black outline ink is going to be like the heaviest load on your liver red like mm -hmm. typically doesn't stick well and, and I think it's because it's like almost like toxic for our bodies when mm -hmm. we think about like ink you know colors and stuff yeah because so, like, I have you know like on my shoulder here where the red's almost completely eaten out and I've had some yeah. like major kind of um, liver stuff go on so it just tells us that, you know, like you're full term and there's a little yeah. bit of a load on your liver and your kidneys and it doesn't yeah. mean you're fixing to get help syndrome or anything like that. But if your, um, you know, blood pressure started to go up or you started to feel itchy on your palms and your hands, those yeah. would be things to like, you need to tell Patty about. Mm -hmm. But uh, this just tells us that full term. And if you notice foods that acerbate, exacerbate that because those foods are a little bit rough on your body then stay away from those and just try and be as chill as possible with your nutrition and lots of hydration and okay. um, it should resolve once you deliver okay yeah I was wondering like maybe like maybe I need to drink more to help my body like I don't know but um but okay that's good to that's good to hear and I'm always a fan of fluids, right? Because the more fluids yeah. you get in your body, the more your body can detoxify. Because you, basically your body is using your skin as an um, excretion organ. You know, as opposed to using your filter of your liver and your kidneys and getting it out of your body that way. It's like, hey, we're just going to push it out. This right. Way. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I kind of have a similar question. I started getting birthmarks. Like, I guess it was like mid-pregnancy with Lily. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I'm trying to see. So this one, which is like pretty big, it's like a mole, but um, I've had other ones show up like over the course of Willow's pregnancy and then, you know, even postpartum, them getting darker. 
and I have a few like on my legs. Is that a similar thing, like pushing things to the skin? Well, alternative theory in general says that um, says that the skin, when you see like birthmarks or scaly moles and stuff like that, instead of cutting it off, just um, gently nourish your skin by like dry brushing and um, using a loofah and those types of things. What's the other one? Dry brushing, loofah. I can't remember the other stuff, but basically you're just always going to keep um, getting the dead skin cells off your body so that as things try and, you know, excrete through your skin, that you facilitate that as opposed to, um, you know, getting freaked out about like, oh, I have skin cancer or whatever. And if you do have, you know, something that needs to be removed um, medically, then of course pursue that. So um, I think, yeah. And then, you know, when you think about how your body has changed postpartum, like how's your nutrition been? How's this or that? How's your fatigue levels? How's, mm -hmm. you know, so like that lets us know maybe your body isn't, you know, using its elimination systems um, ideally or, opti you know, like everything's not firing optimally because you're sleep deprived and you're eating, you know, maybe the bomb diet of which is whatever chicken nuggets your kids don't eat or whatever, you know. So like when we don't prioritize ourselves and everything's not firing at its best capacity, then our skin starts being used as the excretion organ. So, which is pretty much the last reserve. So it kind of lets us know, you know, like, oh, I'm going to dry skin brush or I'm going to use a loofah. I'm going to do whatever. And I'm going to kind of be mindful of these different things, but I'm also going to see how I can support my body in its other natural elimination organs. Okay. Did that answer it? Cool. Yeah. Basically the answer is yes. <laughs> Wasn't like, here's big words that you will never understand. So that's what I remember about it. So, um, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I caught up on all the back episodes of our podcast. Thank you. That was a lot of work, a lot of sitting here. And I'm going to actually work on this one today. So, in on Anchor, um, on anchor.fm instead of .com, it's .fm. I think there's a thing where I can put in show notes, and I'll put the links in there. So um, after I get all that done, I'll link this into our podcast on Facebook group, and then you can see the show notes from there. Okay, and I'll put the link to that article. So, um, okay, let me just, um, you know what, I don't even have to say an intro because I do it someplace else, so skip it. Okay, great. We won't do the intro. I'll just uh, record that and put it in, and I'll edit this part out. Let me see how many minutes we're at. We're at 29 minutes. I'm going to just write it down. 29 minutes. Edit that out. Okay, so um, what else was I going to say about the histamine article? Um, oh, on Anchor now, we also have a thing where you can do like a donation to Anchor, or it's a payment gateway. So, like, if you wanted to support the show, then you can put in a couple bucks. You can also be a recurring sponsor. So, it could be like every um, like every month you're going to put in $3 or something like that. So there's options now where you can set it and forget it on the financial support for the show. So wanted to say that. And I think that's it on far as things I wanted to say. Okay. So um, today's topic is postpartum best practices. Adila, did you, uh, Mama D, does your friend know that we're having group right now? The one that you were texting me about on Monday or Tuesday or whatever day that was. Okay, as long as she knows that this is available for her. Okay, good, good. Uh, hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. 
All right, I think that's it. So we're going to talk about best postpartum practices, and we thought the Mama D might already be in that window, but it's not here yet, but it will be soon. So let's talk about best postpartum practices. And um, I want to say that the best postpartum practice I know is don't have a lot of people come to your labor. That way you will, <laughs> the postpartum practice comes earlier if folks aren't, you don't have extra people at your labor standing around doing nothing, slowing your roll, pulling their office chair to two inches away from your bedroom door, looking in and then asking the midwife when she comes out to get something and she trips over you. I heard the word fuck. Is she saying that in there? Okay, that is my best advice to not have that go down. That's how you get a good postpartum practice because that helps you have the birth and labor that you want. Who else wants to share? Um, yeah, that's what Rowan said. I'm trying to do that this time around because that happened to me the second time and I felt very rushed to kind of like present myself to the family that was waiting in my living room. Um, and, uh, but the other thing, you know, and I know like we kind of talked about it briefly is like, just like my whole like Malay cultural side of postpartum care. And I've got that like all set up. It's just, it's ready to go. So I start it, you know, I start half of it as soon as I give birth, which is like the sits bath, the feminine wash, the drinking an herbal tea that helps me like cleanse my, my body and, and pure, and like, what is it? Honey? Okay, I'll be right there. Um, and then you know, with the, the binding and uh, the, the abdominal pace to help, you know, shrink your uterus. And, and, you know, I think like the binding last time really helped me with my um, contractions after birth because no one told me about how they get pretty much like worse with every baby. I mean, I literally, it was, and it was almost like I felt like my body was because my labor was so short, it was almost like, well, now you get to make up for it after, <laughs> you know, like here, here's some contractions after birth and three days after that. And they were hurting so bad and they would only feel really good if I had um, abdominal support um, on, on me and some heat too applied to that. When are you supposed to, um, according to your Malay postpartum traditions, when are you supposed to get that uh, binding on? Like the next day. The next day, you can you can start it like in the hospital or, or at home whenever um, while you're still there. So like I guess like you know, on average you'd stay in the hospital for two to three days. You can start it anytime then, but I usually always start it the next day. Um, I don't like to put it on the first day just because of how much bleeding you're gonna have net normally, you know, and you don't want that like extra kind of like everything pushing gushing out. So. Um, try to like leave like 24 hours for your body to somewhat level out and then put that on. Um, because the other thing too is uh, when you're adding in the abdominal pace, the massage, which you get like a one week after a vaginal birth. And I use like a specific like um, oil that is, it's got a lot of like natural herbs that heat the body up. So it's like reheating your body, kind of getting you out of that cold state after losing fluids and blood um, to help your body regenerate itself. And then it's a lot of, you know, good healthy foods, a lot of hot foods, no cold foods. 
Um, one of the other things that's like a very traditional thing is that I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like black chicken, like black skin chicken. Um, it's like making a soup out of that. Like, that's a I real know. specific kind of chicken, right? Do they even have those in the U.S.? I heard it was like really hard to get this black chicken and like people were like smuggling out eggs and like this whole ridiculous <laughs> black chicken situation. Somebody wanted me to raise a black chicken so they could eat it. I was wow. like, uh, no can do. <laughs> no, you can get it at the Chinese grocery store. Just got to go to the Chinese market. <laughs> you got to go to the Asian market to get it. It's there. It's really expensive though. Um, but it's just supposed to be like super high in nutrition and uh, you make kind of like a broth out of it. Um, the recipe I have for it isn't very good. I don't think it tastes good, but I just kind of like chug it down. Um, it makes me feel good uh, afterwards. But yeah, that's like one kind of like, I remember the first time I heard of it, I thought I was like, oh my God, this is like black magic mom. What is this? Because <laughs> she was like, you need to use the black chicken. You need to cook it like this. You need to put all these different herbs inside. But uh, yeah, so, and then the other thing too is, is the Malay culture is staying inside for like 44 days. Um, meaning, you know, don't go out, go get groceries. Like you don't need to be doing that. You ask for help. And, and I, I guess like, uh, I don't really stick by that. Um, pretty much by the second week I'm going out and obviously I'm going to the pediatrician within like the first week of birth. But it just is another reminder to, hey, take it easy. You just pop the baby out. You know, you still got a huge wound inside you that's healing. You don't need to be walking around and lifting stuff. You can, it's okay to ask for help, if, especially if you have it, you know? I mean, it's different, I think, like for mothers who are single and, and doing it by themselves and don't have support. But if you are fortunate enough that you have a family and you have a spouse or a partner that's there to help you, I mean, you really need to take advantage of that because, and that's another thing I'm trying to stress to moms who are going back to work within like two weeks. I'm like, take this time to heal. Like really like pamper yourself, like really be the princess, you know, so that when you do go back to work, you feel good. You don't feel drained and emotionally drained as well as physically. So, yeah. Good. Good. I was looking today, um, I'm kind of setting some stuff with, up within his hands and they have a box that you get sent to you when you have a home birth, but they also had like a postpartum kit that I thought was pretty good. And I was like, oh, I'll add this, I'll suggest that people buy this, but screw that noise. I want them to buy what you're having. So, um, yeah. And, you know, we talked about that before, how I might even include that in my midwifery package that um, the Mama D postpartum because I can go and do the postpartum wrap at two days um at two days uh home visit and stuff but I keep thinking like this is so valuable to me like I really want to figure this part out so okay Caitlin do you want to talk before you have to go uh sure um we've talked a lot about uh prepping meals postpartum we've done that a lot um but also having your emotional support system because it's um whatever that looks like is really important too because we, we talk about mama blues all the time and those are real too before it gets into like your real deep um postpartum depression stuff you know at like six weeks I think is that right Dr. B um that after six weeks it's more than um but having a support system for that too specifically um and then just spacing everybody out and as much as Everyone's like, oh, that's really cute. When you post a sign, you're like, if you want time with the baby, you're going to do these chores. 
guess what? It's not that stupid of an idea. It's actually really great. Go to Pinterest, check them out, find what works for you because that's, you know, less, less stuff on your table too. So Pinterest, I hadn't thought about that. Pinterest. Yes. Good. Anyway, that's about all I got. And then I'm going to go try and get on an airplane. So thank you. Love you guys. I'm going to try and get on an airplane. Love you. Love you guys. Two weeks. Oh wait, next week is um starts elephant in the womb. So okay. like I don't know if you want to come to that or whatever, but it'll be me and Mary and we're gonna talk about um like safety first for pregnancy. Yeah. Um whatever. So that'll be next week. And it okay. has a different meeting code because it's a different kind of meeting. So and it's okay. in the event. Cool. All right, see you guys soon. Ciao, my love. Bye. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Like, what happens when you go and you tell your provider that you're having um, some, you know, blues or you're not feeling good about, like, maybe not just your birth, but just in general, you're having an emotional um, response or, like, what happens when you get ignored? Do you guys have any advice on that? Because uh, Mama D and I kind of had a situation with that. And if you want to give more deets, Mama D, without like oversharing, I'm down for hearing too. Yeah, actually, I've had two friends. So my first was like one of my really good friends. And I was really shocked when she actually told a group of us, like her, or our close knit, that she had postpartum depression. And I was like, what? I was really shocked that I never saw that in her. Um, it was her third kid. And, um, that she was like, yeah, I'm just kind of like coming out and battling it now. And I was like, whoa. And um, she was saying how when she went to the doctor for her checkup, the doctor was like, oh, here's your like evaluation postpartum, you know, evaluation. She's like, but you know, you look fine. Like, you, I mean, you're not, you're not postpartum depressed. Are you like, you're good. And um, she was just like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then she didn't address it with her. Um, and then it wasn't until like her husband, like really, I think he really sacrificed a lot, like for his, from his job because he thought and stayed at home and really helped her. And then he realized that she was using him as a crutch. And so he started stepping out to kind of like force her, I guess, to face her issues with the kids and like, um, which I guess worked for her. Cause then, then she was able to really kind of, um, get back into the groove of things or find her groove again. Um, anyways, I don't know, but she's, I mean, she's a lot better now. That's for sure. This other mom, she, she's a little on a different level though, because she said that she's having suicidal thoughts and thoughts about harming her baby. And this was six weeks postpartum. And I guess she said that when she brought it up to her provider, her provider dismissed it. I don't know how, I don't really know the details of it. And um, so she reached out to a friend who then told me. Um, so I gave her all like, you know, the information. And it's, it's really tough if you don't know the person, because then also like my friend was like telling me like, how do I bring this up to her? Like, how do I like tell her like, you need to go get help? Like, how do I say it in a nice way? You really need to find someone to talk to. Um, and I just, you know, told her, I was like, you really just need to try to like relate to her on a real level, you know, tell her you see her, 
you know, you've been through something similar and, and she has, cause she, she has like a, a NICU baby who has a lot of like neurological issues. Um, so she has her own struggles. And so I was just like, you know, try to relate to her on like something like that, you know, and, and be really real about, you know, how finding outside help that's like non-judgmental, like especially if like it's outside the family and someone who isn't going to judge you for having bad thoughts about your child, about harming your child, you know, it's okay to, to have that, but go find help for it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't shut the door on it and ignore it. so tough right because people yeah. don't um I remember the first time I heard anything like that it was where I was at the farm and it was, must have been like 1995 or six or something in there and one of the farm midwives said that her daughter called her screaming and said that she had this vision where she like threw her kid across the wall or across the room and like hit against a wall and she just like put her baby down and like ran out of the house like called her mom screaming and then this is pre-cell phone and then hung up and then just went outside the house and left the baby inside by herself like in a crib or something like she was safe but then her mom got over there and she's like okay well you didn't do this and you called me and it's okay and you know you did the right thing to tell me what was going on and stuff like that so um so like for me very early on in my midwifery career you know like i was training i think i was at a midwifery workshop assistance workshop that um it became like real normal that this might happen and this is something that we need to talk about and verbalize and and be open with each other about tiff do you have any thoughts that you want to share Um, when I was pregnant with Lily and getting the information from the doctor or from Wick, in my head, I'm like, oh, I know the signs. This is, that's not going to happen to me. Like I can control that. Um, and then after Lily was born, it was, I had a lot of, both of us had a lot of trouble with um, breastfeeding and it was painful and she had um, a tongue tie that was like not fully diagnosed, but we were going to the speech language pathologist and doing mouth exercises and pumping was horrible. I had to pump because one of my nipples was bleeding and I just felt so inadequate. And it wasn't until I was in the spot of you know, feeling this huge mom guilt that I wasn't providing for her, that I wasn't good enough, that I remembered that my sister had told me that my, my mom experienced really bad postpartum depression with one of my older brothers. So I wasn't even born yet, but she would just be in bed and cry and cry and let the baby cry. And it was bad. That's all I really know about it because she's not with us anymore. Um, but my sister wasn't even born yet either. So it's all kind of secondhand hearing about it at this point. Um, and then with Willow, it was kind of a similar situation where I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And in my mind, I like, I feel like it shouldn't happen, but I, it was worse with Willow because she didn't breastfeed at all and she was on the bottle and still having those feelings of inadequacy 
but at the same time, also a little bit of resentment towards her because I didn't have just Lily and Willow came very quickly after having Lily. So she wasn't necessarily planned, but um, I was sad that I couldn't, you know, have that toddler time with just Lily and now we had a baby. So there was a little bit of, you know, me wishing that things were back the way they were, were before Willow was born, which was hard to deal with too, because, you know, that's living in the past and she's here now and trying to focus on, on that. Um, I think a lot of those feelings came up out of the situations that I was in and me thinking that, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Like, you can't control that. It, these things happen, and sometimes it's a lot worse than you, than you think it's going to be. Um, I never was, like, diagnosed with anything, but I know that I was in a much darker place than I've ever been. I really just tried to get help from Barry and friends to watch the girls so that I would have time to myself and um, really just try to live in the present moment when I could and remind myself that this is what's happening now and not to live in the past or wish things were different because you know, they, they need me now. <laughs> they don't need me in, I mean, yes, they'll need me in five years, but now is what's important. I remember being really worried about you when you got pregnant with Willow. I remember being super really? concerned. Yeah. But you can't really say to your friend, you know, like I'm your friend, not your provider. Like, um, you know, you sure you want to do this? And by the time you were you were pretty far along in the pregnancy before you told me like out of the window of termination. And so, um, you know, like it wasn't appropriate for me to bring it up, but I remember being very concerned. And to be honest, that was a little bit of the driving force of this group. Really? Yes. So like it makes me cry a little bit, but yeah, that was a big part of this group is we got to do something. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who was, well, one of my best friends at the, moment that she said this she was um intoxicated but she basically told me that she didn't think that I should be having another child and that I was being irresponsible and I mean yeah it was hurtful but at the same time I we had made a decision like hey do do you want to have another baby so in our minds, that's what we had been planning for, but it happened so much faster than we thought it was, than it, we thought it would. So it's kind of like, yes, she was intended, but we didn't think it would happen so quickly. So in that case, I don't think, I mean, I just, I don't think I could do that because we were in a position to be able to to have a baby so um yeah so we just we went with it and right. now and that I see the two of them together it's almost like 
I had Willow for Lily because they are so close. Why did your friend say that she thought you were being irresponsible? Where did that, where did that factor in? Um, probably because of her seeing how difficult it was for me to have Lily and everything that I went through with breastfeeding and staying at home to take care of her and um, I think maybe a little bit of it was some of her own her own stuff maybe even like you know her own inner child versus mommy stuff that uh I don't know a little bit of jealousy I'm not really sure where that like came from but it was kind of startling um and she apologized the next day and said that you know I would never I don't want that I don't know where that came from um so it was a little bit jarring but um at the same time, it almost like validated my own feelings that this wasn't really what we had planned. However, the universe was like, this is what you need. Right on, right on. And I actually know somebody who had the experience where she intentionally got pregnant with her like you know her husband and uh and her mental health deteriorated within like just seconds of being pregnant so much so that she didn't think she could survive the pregnancy so she did she opted to terminate so um but she was wrecked about it and you know like we intentionally got pregnant and all this you know like what will i tell people and i'm like you're gonna tell people and i, I think i've told the story before that you're gonna tell people that you had a miscarriage so anyway um and it is hard you know um and you know i'll always give lots of snaps for sisters <laughs> okay does anybody else have anything they want to can say or chat about i was just going to go off what tiffany said um something similar happened to me uh with my first kid my first child i had a lot of issues breastfeeding and i had that huge mom guilt and and it wasn't until becoming a doula that i realized that a lot of clients kind of go into that from breastfeeding because they don't either have the support or, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Um, and every baby is different. And, okay, that wasn't nice. Can you go tell her, please don't do that again? It's okay. And um, I, I don't think if it, if it wasn't for my mom being there, my doula coming in and checking on me the next day, and my midwife, you know, being there to, to kind of like say, this is normal, it's okay, you know, try this position, do that position, whatever, because I was like pumping and feeding her through the bottle, and I was like, oh my god, she's, she's breastfeeding through the bottle, way, or she's feeding through the bottle way better than she is through my, my own breast, like what's going on with me, and it's my fault, and why can't she, she get a good latch on, you know, um, so yeah, I, I remember struggling with that a lot, uh, and then my, my mother-in-law actually said something to me when I got pregnant that Tiffany's um, friend said to her, but it was a little different. She wasn't intoxicated. <laughs> and, um, but she was like, when I got pregnant my second, she was like, wow, what are you going to do? Like, what, how are you going to do this with two kids? And I was, I was really like, mm, what do you mean? You've got four. <laughs> like, 
if you can do it, I can do it. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, it kind of sucked because then I felt like I had to prove something to her. Like I can take care of your grandchildren and your son. Um, and then I took on like a whole different kind of responsibility and like uh, upon myself that I didn't need to. Like I was trying to be the trophy wife, you know? And I think that like brought in a lot of like extra stress it brought in a lot of like remorse um, or resentment, not remorse, resentment to my in-laws. Um, and so I had to like really learn to let that go, especially with this pregnancy now, because I dealt with it a lot through with them, my relationship with our kids. Um, so anyways, I've learned to let that go now. I'm feeling really good. It's the month of Ramadan too. So I'm feeling really like happy, forgiving and let love go and free and blah 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 so i'm hoping to have that same feeling after i give birth um and hopefully not feel um like overly protective i suppose um especially because this is like the first son your grandson on both sides and i know that everyone will kind of just like want to jump in so. good thanks for um talking about that so I wanted to say one thing too that is a common misconception is that if you have a birth that plays out like you want, like I think both you guys had out of hospital births, Tiff, I think you had birth center and then Mama D, you've either had home birth or birth, or birth center. Okay. So like, so say you get that birth that you kind of wanted optimally, like a vaginal birth as opposed to a, a surgical birth in a hospital or whatever. If that's not, you know, if that's what you want, great. If not, whatever. But, um, there's a misconception with folks that if you've got the birth that you kind of anticipated or set out to get, that you won't have um, postpartum depression or psychosis or baby blues or any of that stuff. So, um, which I'm hearing from both you guys was not the case. So can you speak to that for a hot minute? Either one, please. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of like sucks because uh, especially if you're face, like hitting a little backlash, um, from people being like, what? Home birth? Oh my God. Like what's going to happen in case of emergency? Like what does your midwife do? What, I mean, like, what is she prepared to do? And, and then you're facing with all this, well, here are the, you know, statistics, here's the research, blah, 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 blah. Again, it's my choice, not your birth. Um, and then you don't want to tell anybody about the issues that you're having because you don't feel like, well, it's because you had a home birth. And, you know, if you were in the hospital, you would have had like more support and blah, 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 blah. And so it sucks at that point because then you're just kind of keeping quiet and you know, letting it sit inside of you because you don't want to give home birth a bad breath, I suppose. I think that's how I feel at least. Um, so yeah, that definitely sucks, you know. Um, I had never doing... even thought about that angle of it because I was thinking more like a provider not listening to you, believing you. Oh. But I never thought about like, oh yeah, if you just had a hospital birth then this magically wouldn't have happened. So yeah, yeah got it. Yeah, I think I faced that a lot. And, and this time we're having a, I'm trying to do a water birth. And for the first time ever, my husband actually on Friday, he was like, I don't feel so comfortable about this. And I was like, what? You've known I wanted a water birth since like day one since I got pregnant. And now you're bringing it up to me like when I'm already 37 weeks, you're saying I'm not too comfortable about this. Like, and we had, we had a long discussion, I mean, over the weekend about like his emotional fears of water births. And, and he just, I think he was like thinking like, I'm jumping onto this like bandwagon um and 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 I had to like explain to him like no it's it's not like a hippie bandwagon thing like what are you talking about um and I you know had to explain to him like 
why I wanted a water birth, you know, my reasons for it, my own fears and my own birth and how I think a water birth will help me through those fears when I give birth and go into labor. Um, and so, I mean, like he's cool about it now, but it was like one of those like shocking factors where I had to even like deal with it within my own family, like or within my house, my partner. How about you, Tiff? Did you have a water birth? I don't remember. I labored in a birthing center with Lily for like 14 hours and then was transferred last minute to the hospital. Um, and it was because her heart rate dropped. But then I, so then they made the call for the ambulance and then they read it again and it went back to normal. But because they already initiated the process of the ambulance, then I had to be transferred anyway. And I got there and they said that within a certain time frame that I would have to have a cesarean. So they started prepping, prepping me for that. And that is not at all what I wanted. And I have like a huge fear of that, which um, that's a whole nother thing of like surgery and all that. But um, the doctor checked me vaginally one more time and she said, if you want to deliver vaginally, you have to push now. And if the baby's not born by 6.30, then you're having a cesarean. So I pushed and pushed and screamed and pushed. And Lily was born at 6.29. <laughs> so she, I did deliver vaginally, which was amazing. Like I had no idea that it was going to be like that. Um, it was hard at the end because I was on my back um, and I kind of wished that I had been whatever standing up or hunched over but that's just being in the hospital and then Willow was born in the water she was born in the water which was very cool um, and wow. it was just a, an amazing experience but then because I was at the birthing center she was born at 6.03. All of us were home by nine o'clock. So I kind of had that a little bit of a feeling like I wanted to be more taken care of um, or just have a little bit more time with medical support for just in case kind of things. Um, with Lily, I had blood clots for the following three days after she was born and some of them were kind of big. So I did call the hospital doctor back and she said, you know, you should be fine after today, but if it continues, you'll have to come back in. But they did stop. Um, whereas with the doula, the midwife that I had at um, Bay Area Birthing Center, um, she like right after the birth and then getting cleaned up and then the placenta, she before she stitched me up, she went in and like scraped all out with her hands, which was kind of painful, but I was grateful for that because I knew that I would not be getting clots and I, I didn't. So, uh, it, very, very different experiences. And, um, I'm kind of glad to have had both. And I think that I just prefer, even though there's less, um, after with a birthing center or, or a midwife, uh, I prefer that just because 
there's just so much more freedom in the process. And um, I feel like there's still more connection um, and possibility for follow-up care as long as you're communicating. Got Whereas it, if you're got going it. to the hospital, you be admitted and things like that, make an appointment. Um, but yeah. And I'm going to hop in here and say that in order for you to be discharged in that short amount of time, things need to, there's like check marks that you have to have before you, for, I'm just saying this for people who perhaps are not that familiar with birth centers or home birth or whatever, that there's milestones that you have to hit in order to be discharged. And so it sounds like you were hitting those milestones very, fairly quickly. And I also wanted to say that um, next time that could be something you could share with your midwife if you choose to have any more kids and you choose to have that route that you could say last time I was home by X amount and I just felt like I needed a little bit more support or care so they could build that into your care. Or if you had a home birth, then you could have, make sure you had extra postpartum support. So in that immediate window. So, cause we want to honor your intuition and also say, you know, say what your needs are. So. All right. Mama D, is there anything we can support you? Because uh, hopefully in two weeks we'll have a baby in your arms. Anything that we could do to support you in your um, upcoming postpartum? Uh, no, just give me all the good vibes. I feel like I'm really prepared. Hey, I'll let go of her now. I feel like I'm really prepared this time around just because I've, I've, I have hired a postpartum doula. And she's even, you know, said that, like, once you give birth, if you want me to come that day to help you in the house, like, I'm available for that. Baby, can you just wait? I'm almost done. Okay, hold on. My daughter's really obsessed with watching um, cartoons go to the bathroom right now. And so she wants, like, a pooping video. She's like, can you put that on? Yeah. They talk about germs and washing your hands and flushing the toilet and all that stuff. So it's really nice. Um, but I, uh, oh, I wanted to show you guys the packet real fast my yeah dude let me see everything it. that comes in it this is it and it smells like amazing when i open the box up so you have like a body scrub that you that you can use this is the feminine wash that you can also make into like an herbal bath um and you just like you know keep it next to your toilet and then just like wash yourself with it every time you pee or you can put it in like those like um carry bottles Ooh, and on peri bottles, I saw the special one that has like an angled like nozzle do. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about putting that in my birth supplies box so that people get that so that they have it for this special wash. Yeah, those are awesome. Okay. Uh, and then this is the tea that you drink. This is the, the tummy paste, They're the abdominal um, firming paste that you use. And you can also, you also put it on your forehead which is, um, you put it on, you're supposed to put it on your, not just your abdominal area, which I think is mostly what um, kind of the West do, but you usually put it on your back and your, your like love handles, your sides and your hips. Um, and then you also put it on your forehead, um, <laughs> which is why you stay in for 44 days. So no one sees like this yellowy paste on your forehead. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on my forehead. I don't even care. Hi, I'm here for your two-day visit. We're going to put this stuff on you. Well, it's really good for headaches, too. So, like, you know, if you have a headache or, you know, you're feeling a migraine coming out, you can put it on your forehead and it kind of helps soothe, soothe it all out. I'm going to wear it like that every day now. There you go. And then there's, like, a, um, uh, like herbal tablets to help you, your bowel movement kind of regulate and your digestive system regulate. Hell yeah. And then this is the, uh, the heating oil, massage oil 
that you can put on like right after birth and you can like put it, rub it in your scalp and like rub it all over your body. Or you can bring it to your masseuse and say, Hey, I want you to use this. One massage therapist, not masseuse. And, uh, <laughs> masseuse, it just sounds like so seventies and like hand job ish. Really? Not... Oh, yeah. It's massage right. therapist. Like it's the licensed thing you have to do. Um, massage therapist. And then the next thing is, so, Okay, if you get the oil on the baby, is it okay? Because, like, if somebody puts it somewhere and then the baby touches it, what's the story there? So, yeah, no. Um, but you, so you massage, you massage your breasts with it, but you don't massage your nipples with it. So, babies should not be in contact with that. I what mean, are you like, talking about? The baby is all up on the... I know, I know. I'm saying, like, it's okay if the skin touches it, but I guess, like, what I'm saying is baby can't digest the... the you shouldn't be digesting it. So, don't put it... Don't rub it... Okay, okay, A. So don't um don't be rubbing it on your nipples and then breastfeeding your child because yeah, then baby would obviously be digesting it some way. Okay. So it's okay if like skin to skin, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like little, you know, they're little fresh bodies and stuff. So yeah. they're I mean it's all it's all herbal. Um the only thing is is I mean, yeah, you're not rubbing it into baby, right? Like you would be rubbing it into yourself. Um, but there is like a, a Malay, it's called, um, it's called Tilong. I don't know what the fruit name is or that, what that plant name is in English, but it's something that I use for newborns and, or on my newborns. Um, and I massage them with that every day, twice a day. I massage them in the morning and then before they go to bed with that. Got it. Okay. Well, that's uh, so Tiffany wants to know, is that box available online? When are we going to be able to get this? What's the story? Yes, it'll be available um, June. So like hopefully in two weeks, it'll be here. I've got my shipment coming in. Sweet. Okay, cool. And I'm going to put that on my uh, suggested things for my patients to do. Here we go. All right. Well, we did a good job talking about best postpartum practices and did a good job about talking about what sets us up for a success and what doesn't. And um, good for us and good for you guys. Well, let's um, unmute each ourselves and tell each other we love each other because we do. And I'll see you guys in two weeks or next week at Elephant in the Womb. Love you guys. Let us know if you need us, uh, Mama D. Okay. I will. Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Dr. Blythe, Two Sisters. So today on our after birth postpartum support group or any partum support group, really, we talked about perinatal mood, anxiety, suicide, and psychosis. It's kind of a heavy topic. A lot of times we will not notice ourselves when we're having these symptoms. So a lot of people will tell me, that their partner noticed or a friend noticed that something was different while they were pregnant or after they had their baby, even a year later, right? And so if someone tells you, hey, you're being a little different, are you sure you're okay? Like maybe take pause in that instead of like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Go, hmm. You can tell them, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And then think about it and say, hmm, am I fine? And if you're not fine, whatever fine is, you can reach out to someone. A lot of providers for pregnancy, midwifery or an OB, etc., will screen, but they don't really know what to do. When people reach out to me, especially midwives or um, 
future patients and they tell me, hey, I've got this going on and they're pregnant, we cut the line. I'm not going to have you wait in line past someone, you know, who has some other stuff going on that isn't eminent. I consider things like this, like we've got a timeline. If you're pregnant, we need to get a handle on this before it's time. And if it's postpartum, like the sooner we get this understood or talked about, the better off we all are, right? So things that happen while we're pregnant, if you have kind of recurring thoughts, um, we call them negative thought loops or just thought loops in general, where you think of kind of bizarre things um, or you perseverate on a thought over and over and you're like, ah, that's such a weird thing to think about. Or I would never hurt my baby. I would never throw my baby across the room. Like, why would I think about that? That a lot is OCD, perinatal OCD. And it sounds different when we watch those TV shows and they're, you know, checking the doorknobs 37 times or checking the stove. That's a different kind of OCD. And so perinatal OCD presents itself differently where we have the same thought loop over and over again, even something we would never, ever do. That's not something to be shameful about, but that is something to get help for pretty quickly. Um, You're going to need a pro for that. You're going to need more than just girlfriend power. Um, Perinatal anxiety while you're pregnant, postpartum, like a certain amount of anxiety is going to show up. We're a little bit worried that what if we do this right? What if we don't do that right? Baby um, breastfeeding isn't going well or we think it should be going better or et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe we get a doula, we tell our provider, you get some girlfriends over, dude friends, I don't care. Um, That might be a great fit. And outside that, it's like, hey, let me just get a doctor or a professional to make sure that that's enough. And then like, let's think about being bummed, right? So we know that after you have your baby, we have a large hormone dump that's going to happen. That's going to take about two to six weeks to kind of rock through the body. We definitely expect that. Outside of that, then we're like, wow, why am I still so upset? Why am I so down? That might need a professional. It may not need a professional. So a lot of people just call the PSI warm line and find out what are the symptoms? What are the things that they need to be looking for? So thinking beyond that, what's going on in your life? What's gone on in your life? If you remember a time that was dark for you, what helped you the best? What wasn't helpful? What do you wish was there for you? If there's any of that, be that for someone else if you have the capacity. If you don't, maybe helping them help, like get help, right? And sometimes that looks like making contact with someone, talking to their partner, saying, hey, I noticed so-and-so is not doing well. So those are some thoughts that I had after the um, support group that we had today. Is just um, Those are my tips. I'm so glad that you listened. I'm so glad you're in our lives. Um, we really value what you are bringing to the table here, even if you're just listening to this podcast. Thanks.